Hey, thanks for coming to our panel. We're really thrilled to represent Austin City Limits, the brand, and talk about technology and how it's really evolved it over 40 years. Today we have representatives from the original Austin City Limits brand, the TV show, from the festival, the new venue, Austin City Limits Live, as well as some of our key technology partners and providers. So you all may know that Austin City Limits was born in 1974 as the brainchild of three guys in Austin who were at the local PBS affiliate. PBS at that time was looking for more original content from its affiliates. These guys wanted to feature country, blues, folk, and psychedelia, but there really was this really cool emerging progressive country scene at the time, and that really created the concept for the show. The story goes that one of the guys drove from Dallas into Austin every day, and he saw this Austin City Limits sign every day on his commute. So there you go. Austin City Limits was the name. Willie Nelson shot the pilot in 1974. And at that time, he wasn't Willie Nelson like we know today, who kind of goes with everybody from Snoop Dogg to whoever. He was really just emerging in that kind of outlaw country scene. He agreed to do the pilot. He was pretty okay with the fact that it wasn't so slick because he was a pretty TV-shy guy. The next year, the show was pitched as part of the PBS Pledge Drive. It was really successful, so they greenlit the series. And since then, it's been the longest-running music program in television history. It's the only show to be awarded the Presidential Medal of the Arts. It's won a Peabody, and it's been enshrined as a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame landmark. In the beginning, it was really all about Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, B.B. King, Ray Charles. And really, since then, and especially because of the evolution of the Austin City Limits Festival, it's kind of evolved into Bonnie Vare, Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, and Jack White. I want to talk about how the festival sort of evolved the brand. I think Patrick might be able to talk about that a little bit more, or Ed, but... I wanted to say that I'm kind of like the new kid to the brand. I only moved to Austin about three years ago. We were living in Los Angeles. I was working at Live Nation for a long time. My husband and I were looking for a cool place to raise the kids, and we knew we could kind of stay in our field. And we kind of knew, you know, there's this progressive culture in Austin. It's the big live music capital. You know, we checked all those boxes, good schools, all that good stuff. But I think what really surprised both of us was how technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship really drives that whole city. It really drives the economy. It drives the economy in Texas in a big, big way. And it really drives all of culture in Austin. Dell is based there, AMD, Cirrus Logic, Silicon Labs are all Austin companies. Apple, Google, Facebook all have major campuses there. And AT&T is, is based in Texas. So. What's been really cool for us is, I guess I'll talk about the venue in a little bit, but as we create partnerships, what's been really great for me coming in brand new and working with someone like Ed on Austin City Limits brand is politically some of the very best people to work for are the people right in your backyard. And I think what's been great is many of those people are technology brands and people that are really pushing innovation and it's helped us all from a financial standpoint and really from a fan experience standpoint. So I want to just have the panel introduce themselves, starting with Ed Bailey. And everybody will kind of introduce themselves and we'll kind of get into it. Hi, I'm Ed Bailey. I'm the Vice President of Brand Development for Austin City Limits. And in this case, what Austin City Limits is beyond what 
Caroline described is we are a brand and we are in the media space, we're PBS, and we're in the music space. So we have, to be here having this conversation about implementing technology means that Austin City Limits over 40 years has had to do a lot of innovating and has had to respond to technology changes or we wouldn't have this conversation. And to my immediate right is one of our partners from Dell who has been very focal in helping us achieve some, some new growth that we'll talk about. Hi, my name is Lisa Martin-Loro, and I lead a strategic brand partnerships, specifically in, in music and entertainment, and experiential marketing for North America consumer. So, you know, one thing you might know about Dell is, is our history is rooted in Austin. So Michael Dell actually founded the company there from UT. So it's a big deal for us to celebrate all the entrepreneurship and the small businesses and even the, you know, the, the partners that have been in Austin longer than Dell. So we were very proud to be a sponsor, not only of Austin City Limits, the TV show, but the ACL Live venue and the ACL Festival every year. Hi, my name is Patrick Dentler. I work at C3 Presents. We're an event production company and concert promoter based out of Austin. ACL Festival is actually just one of many festivals we work on, including the Lollapalooza Festival in Chicago, Brazil, and Chile. We also book hundreds of shows throughout the U.S., including the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas, Stubbs, Antones, Emos in Austin, Texas, as well as Harris Casinos nationwide. While ACL is just one of our festivals, it's actually kind of the one that we all love the most because it's our hometown festival. My name is Joel Corpy. I'm founder of Rockify, and we're a music platform. We work with Austin City Limits to help them engage and monetize their content directly to their fans. And uh, we, we are really interested in helping content owners solve the problem of how do you monetize your content directly to your fan base. We have a platform that makes it easy to distribute content across devices, Windows 8, Apple, Android, etc. And uh, we're really excited to partner with Austin City Limits to help bring their amazing uh, content uh, to fans across the world on, on any device. Awesome. Thanks, guys. So Ed is my counterpart. I work at Austin City Limits Live, which is a music venue. It's part of a real estate project downtown Austin called Block 21. It's really kind of a baby version of LA Live, so it's a W hotel and condos, retail, and then a purpose-built theater to be a concert venue. We do about 100 paid shows there a year. We do all the Austin City Limits tapings there now, so I know we were really worried about crushing the whole vibe of a taping by bringing it up from what was a on-campus location that was about 800 capacity 320 yeah. <laughs> I think because of the fire marshal and there was some maybe some left-handed cigarettes at one point mm -hmm. the, the capacity got cut down to about 300 mm -hmm. so we didn't want to crush the vibe but we definitely wanted to open this brand new facility it's a 40 million dollar theater it's independent it was always meant to be a live nation venue and the deal fell apart in 2010 so I think that was one of the coolest things actually for the, that particular venue because we've had to, although seven of the 12 of us are from Live Nation, we had to go and create this fan experience specifically for Austin and within keeping with the Austin City Limits brand. What's cool is it was a bright, shiny building and there's you know lots of technology advantages. I don't ever have to put up a banner for a sponsor. I've got really cool Zyrus Canvas 
walls, etc. What's also cool is we can create a lot of content because Ed has $8 million worth of production facility with that live in the venue all the time so we can do customized content. But at the same time, it's all about the fan experience and the vibe. So it's like, how do we continue to evolve that? And I think that's a, that's a real challenge for all of us. But I want to talk to really kind of the partnership we have with Dell. And Lisa, if you want to talk about how you guys specifically have integrated into the venue, even the yeah. festival and the show. Yeah, so Dell's been in kind of dabbling in innovation in the music space for a few years now. I started working at Dell in 2007, and our first major sponsorship of a festival was with ACL, Austin City Limits. And so, you know, we've learned a lot from that experience, and we've come a really long way as a brand getting involved in that. We went from, you know, how do we get our logo everywhere so that people can see us on the stage, to how do we really make the fan experience better from a technology perspective? So I think that it was so great when, you know, we started working with the festival and in C3, we got really close with them and tried to innovate at the festival there. And then we started working with Ed really closely with KLRU and Austin City Limits TV show. And, and how do we, you know, make that better? And so I think we started working with you guys, what, in 2009? And it's been a really long mm-hmm. time, and yes. even that partnership has grown, and really it was because of the venue coming into Austin and giving them the platform to be able to innovate in the space. So you heard them talk about it being you know, a 300-seat theater, or, or space, it wasn't even really a theater at that point, to now they're in this absolutely gorgeous 2,500-seat theater that is one of the only theaters in the world, or the United States at least, that has HD production live streaming HD production in the venue. So from a technology perspective for us to come in and be able to help kind of work with them to create customized end-to-end solutions, I mean, that's that's a big deal. And then we brought in Rockify to help us build the ACL app. So really trying to do everything we can to put as much into that innovation as possible from a technology perspective. It's been It's been a really great experience. I mean, we started last year, we, we did a huge production with YouTube where we live streamed four major music festivals. And that was New Orleans Jazz Fest, Bonnaroo, ACL, and Lollapalooza. So we really did come in and even from, you know, an end-to-end solution. So we, we used our precision systems as part of the actual live streaming of the show. And then, you know, all, all the way to then, you know, a consumer experience on site and we learned a lot from that live streaming from from the live streaming that we did and then we brought that in and now we're starting to live stream the acl tapings which i think is a really big deal this is our second one or third one the third but it's our first year to do live streams of an actual taping so we're now preempting our television series by giving people a chance to see what we're seeing in the venue as we tape the television show Mm -hmm. so talk about that decision a little bit like you know, what came first, the sponsor need or the need for fans to see Jim James right at, in his, when his record's coming out and he's taping a show. Usually it's six to nine months later it'll yeah. run on PBS. Like, talk about that, Ed. What came first is our desire, and it just coincided with the fact that we were in conversations with Dell about some of our plans to advance the series technically and the experience outreach that we were planning for and they immediately grasped 
the concept and said, what do you need to help do that? And so immediately we have servers that we put into the, to the station that allowed it allowed us to encode, decode for any device. And we had the firepower there to transform the streams to, with double backup. So if one went down, we've got something back there to back it up. And that's all the little stuff, the technical gear that you need to make sure if you're going to be streaming around the world, that you've got what you need in place and then all the other equipments that we need to edit and work with. So in this case, you know, the streaming is a, is a, is a new thing for us, but it's part of what you need to be doing if you're in the music space, I say again, and if you're going to be uh, in new, the media relevant. We were talking before we came in here and, you know, PBS is what brought Austin City Limits to the world. And PBS is an important partner to Austin City Limits. However, it's not our, we're in another age and we want to control our direct-to-fan experience and going with a stream and now with an app allows us to take our archival performances and put them in places where people can have the experience when they want and not rely on the model that PBS is still working through to be relevant with what they do. So we just kind of took, took our future into our hands and with great partners by our side. Talk <clears throat> about the artists that, you know, kind of your artist <clears throat> development on that piece. Like, how, you know, how do you go to artists? Do, do all of them want to do the live streaming? And who's your live streaming distribution partner? I'm sure Patrick can actually, and Lisa knows too, from doing festivals, there is a, to go, every artist has a different approach to what, how they feel about having their work streamed. Some are, are very progressive, and, and there are some that have shows that are very sculpted in a certain way. And to cut to the chase, really legendary acts and, and bona fide brand acts that have been on the road a long time are, are a little bit more hesitant to just let their work be streamed. So you'll find, you know, like a Diana Ross who plays the theater is not going to let the theater stream Diana Ross. It's not going to happen. Right. But... When we get uh, the Lumineers come through, they couldn't say yes fast enough when we said, hey, we're trying something new at Austin City Limits this year, and we know you're used to, you've heard we tape, then we work with you, and you pick your songs, and we cut that thing down into a perfect, beautiful hour or 30 minutes, and it, it'll represent you for your lifetime. You know, it's kind of, we're capturing you at the best that we can do that, and to, to say, hey, can we add a, throw a stream on top of it? Well, Jim James, done, no argument. No discussion. So, you know, we've got now Dell in a place that they're helping us. We were just talking before. We're going to be doing Juanes this week. And we're waiting on artwork for our YouTube page to be transferred to Portuguese because their whole South American division is getting behind promoting Juanes throughout all of South America. And we could never, I mean, at, out of KLRU, Austin, Texas, public television station, we don't have the resources to go that far that fast. So that's what a good partnership starts to look like. Patrick, you have anything to add about what you guys go through <coughs> at the festival level? Yeah, I was just gonna say, what's interesting is while we're one brand, we're, we very much operate separately. Uh, we have different goals as a festival versus a venue versus a television show. Um, why we decided to do a webcast, one, from a business standpoint, it's, it's straight marketing and it's really great because if, you're in Austin City Limits or Lollapalooza that sells out even before the lineup comes out. It helps to have something that fans who didn't buy their ticket ahead of time can sit at home 
and watch the entire festival from their couch or from their desk. Um, why that's great for us is is they get to see how great it is. We have partners who deliver it fast and in HD. And what that allows is for the fan who missed out and didn't buy their ticket in time, they're going to act fast the next time around. Um, for it's it's really a great example for um, the Austin City Limits brand that we can't even talk uh, bands into you know, like the Diana Ross example. Um, Bob Dylan wouldn't sign for ACL Festival, but Jim James or a smaller act would immediately. Um, and what that allows us to do is really grasp those younger audiences that really want to see fun or they want to see those younger bands that are easy easy to sign up right away. Um, I guess that's all I got. <laughs> I, I have one more thing to add to that, which I think is an interesting from the brand's perspective on this, is that you know we sit around and we've already signed this huge partnership with Lollapalooza. We spent a million dollars to live stream the festival, and we're like, okay, who's coming? Who's gonna let us live stream? Who's gonna be on it? You know, and and they're oh no, no they're coming. They're no, they're into it. We promise. And we're like, okay, please. But you know, once obviously, of course, those festivals are so huge. The viewership is massive worldwide, especially with Lollapalooza. Um, so it, it wasn't you know, it turned out to be perfect, but. Um, one thing that we noticed is we did this major buy with YouTube. Not only did we underwrite the production of the live stream, and we also um, provided our technology solutions for that, which you know we talked about a little bit. But um, we also did this huge media buy on YouTube to promote the festivals. So we did homepage takeovers during the live stream. We did you know tickers throughout the site the whole weekend. We were live streaming, so we really uh, spent a large dollar, you know, media dollars. Um, to promote the festival, so really helping um, get eyeballs to them beyond their normal ticket sales. And one thing that we noticed is when we went back and looked at um, that audience, and we really broke it up because we did, you know, our, we also did um, the on-site activation. So you know, we had a 30 by 30 tent on-site and showcased all of our new products, which is, was the easy part. But we noticed that the the people that were coming to the festival were younger, you know, 20s, young 20s, early 30s. Um, those kids who really want to be there, want to feel it, want to have beer spilt on them. They want to be there at the moment the first note, you know, of the cults happens. They want to be there and texting it and everything. But we noticed then the digital uh, audience on online who was watching the actual live stream of the festival was much older. They were 30s, 40s, 50s. Because, you know, they don't, they want to see Coldplay and, you know, they probably do also like the Colts, but they get to do it from the comfort of their own home. They get to chill out, have a bottle of wine. I had some friends who actually had viewer parties at their house. They just set up a big HDTV with, you know, Google TV, stream the live stream, you know, had their own, you know, expensive vodka. So just <laughs> being able to reach that massive audience is incredible. Like it was worth every dollar so just you know even beyond what artists are saying it's so important from from the brand's perspective to reach that many people one and one thing to add to that is those are the fans that really become your evangelists those are the ones that are online those are the ones mm -hmm. you know part of that's a connectivity issue when you're when you have seventy five thousand people in one park not everyone can go and tweet how awesome the colts live performance is mm -hmm. but if you're sitting at your home and you're with 15 of your friends and you have a strong wi-fi connection those are the ones that are getting that instantaneous feedback out on the internet right when you want it sure yeah hey patrick since you guys tackle so much 
how many different kinds of technology or companies or capabilities come to you like every week or month? I mean, how much do you, I'm trying to understand the kind of deals you're doing to make your fan experience better and kind of how you tackle it since you guys are doing a lot all around the world. Uh, And what's great about one, being a, a successful concert promoter that happens to have successful festivals that sell out every year, we're very fortunate for that. Um, but being in Austin is really the catalyst for a lot of those great partnerships. Um, a lot of our partnerships, people just walk down the street, knock on our door, and we set up a meeting or a call, and it just happens. Um, uh, one of the great brands that we're working with is called Umble, um, and they help us kind of grab our audience and understand our audience in a way that we can cater to them and not only surface ads to them or or show what we want, but really to understand that audience for us and how we market to them, but then also who we do partnerships with and what brands we'd like to work with. for example, if there were a, a Dell that wants to be closer to a certain part of the festival or to a certain set during that festival weekend, we can look at the data that they provide us and say, hey, look, we're seeing that most of our fans that are here are really into this kind of car or this kind of beer or this kind of brand. And what we do is that that kind of behind the scenes work really helps uh, better the fan experience and really gives the fan what they want instead of kind of equals out that signal-to-noise ratio for the fans. So they're not just seeing, um, you know, stuff that they're just ignoring, but they're really seeing the stuff that's targeted towards them. Um, but that being said, there are a lot of brands out there that are, are struggling to get in the door. Um, and what we struggle with is being an established festival, whether it's ACL or Lollapalooza, is we don't really want to be the guinea pig, um, especially on a 75,000-person scale. Um, so it's really hard to take a chance, um, and we really want them to be proven uh, brands, and it's, that's the most frustrating thing because I'm a young person, and I know a lot of people who are young and, and are in that startup game, and it is, it's really difficult to say, yeah, it's a great idea, but it's not proven. Um, and so what we always ask is for those brands to really – a case study is nice and a, a PowerPoint presentation is really nice and, and all that, but if it hasn't been proven in, on a massive scale, we just can't go that route. I think that's maybe where we are with Mobile Wallet and the festivals. So there are a few other festivals that we work on and everybody wants to do it and everybody loves the RFID bracelet technology, and, but nobody wants to be the one with the broken mobile wallet to wipe out a Saturday, right? Well, it, and, and perfect example is cashless at festivals um, with RFID and everyone's wristbands and, and a lot of br- uh, brands like Bonnaroo and Coachella are doing RFID campaigns around the festival. Um, but what's really, no one, you haven't seen anyone really cross the cashless threshold. And what I mean by that is you register your wristband ahead of time before you get to the festival and maybe you, you establish your credit card to that uh, wristband. And then what that enables you to do is you're at the bar or you're at the merch tent and you're in a long line and you can just say, hey, beers are on me. Boop, boop, boop. And you're just (laughs) scanning beers. I mean, that is great for the fan who doesn't have cash or doesn't want to go wait in the ATM line because they can just, they've already set that limit, whether it's a, 
what we're what we're struggling with is what whether you let it be a debit situation where you put a, a set amount ahead of time uh, and say a hundred dollars that'd be great for parents who have young kids especially at ACL where there's a lot of young kids that they can say okay this is your two hundred dollar spending limit for the weekend versus just unlimited and let that person put in their credit card and they can just tap away all weekend um, that is something that I haven't seen Coachella, Bonnaroo, any major festivals in Europe really succeed with yet because it is kind of that untested barrier. Right. Can you imagine if they had that in Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> the casinos? <laughs> exactly. Is that next? I do think, though, it's once it tips, though, and people do it, everybody will implement it really quickly, like RFID. I mean, you know, only a few years ago did we go from scanning a ticket to the wristbands to now RFID is everywhere and I think it is going to change the fan experience at the festivals more than anything um, from a usability standpoint from a data standpoint um, we've, we can obviously track where the fans are going I think you've got some funny stories about that but that's where we want to also integrate sponsors um, I would love not to build more crazy stuff on site if it's not going to do anything because it's so expensive. I'd much rather, you know, you want your sponsor to have killer ROI and, you know, building a tent mm -hmm. is sometimes yeah. fantastic and it sometimes is, you know, all that other media you probably bought around Lala and ACL, you absolutely could track all that mm -hmm. um, and all the analytics behind it. So it's definitely where I think we want to capture the excitement of when somebody gets their UPS package a couple months before the festival, they rip it open. They want to do everything they possibly can for and with the festival at that moment. So it's like, how do you get them to pre-register and, you know, there are more perks on site, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. And what's interesting with that is, uh, real quick, I'll just say, is Bonnaroo actually m makes it seem like you have to register your wristband, which I always find interesting. They don't say explicitly, if you don't do this, you're not going to be allowed in the festival. But the wording is v just vague enough that you don't want to risk not registering your wristband and then getting to the gates and then not getting in. They also work with brands to give away a car, you know, just providing little incentives like that. Um, really helps usher that stuff in. But to your point of, of people rushing to that technology, and, and I'll share that one story real quick, is where we failed last year. Um, we, we rushed it out. We worked with a company called Intellitix um, to do that. And we said, oh, wouldn't it be cool if at the bars you could have messaging that says enjoying a cold brew at the you know Zilker Draft House, and, and that messaging could be updated per minute throughout the weekend. Uh, well, we didn't really think that children, kids who were at the festival would also be running around trying to just check in everywhere. So we got a couple angry emails from a dad who uh, said that his son posted about 15 times throughout the weekend <laughs> that he was enjoying a cold brew at the Austin City Limits Music Festival. So uh, that's... Meanwhile, he wasn't. He was just stoked to check in everywhere, yeah, right? He, just, he didn't even know what it was. He just walked up and scanned it because it said check in here. So um, that's a perfect example of, of, of something that if you're not established and you don't really have your plan you know, planned out ahead of time, then you're going to end up falling into a trap. I think we can tell a million war stories. I'll say last year, not uh, two years ago, South by Austin city limits has a bloody Mary morning um, during one of those South by mornings, super early. It's great. <laughs> At the same time, Bruce Springsteen was loading in, which, you know, that'll, when does that happen? Never. Right. <laughs> awesome. And of course, uh, somebody got in a, a big truck, got in a car accident and hit a transformer and all the power went out. So 
luckily we have back backup generator power. So luckily Bruce Springsteen's not freaking out as much as we are. Luckily the band, it was like the most cool set that could ever happen. But I think it was we all trampled by turtles and yeah. they just they just did their acoustic thing and stepped off the, and everybody and, loved and it. everybody got in a circle and they did it. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the day, it still is about you know how do we deliver on this fan experience, technology or no technology. Um, let's talk about the Rockify app. I think it's really fascinating how the whole story kind of came full circle with almost everybody here at the table. Joel, you want to kind of talk about your background in anti-piracy and creating the idea and then getting hooked up with Austin City Limits? Sure. So, um, yeah, my background, I worked at Paramount, did anti-piracy for a little bit, and then got recruited to come to Austin and run product and technology at a company called On Networks, which was a, a next-gen content studio. Um, that produced content for the web. They did stuff with Amy Poehler and a few other um, big uh, celebrities. And um, you know, then I got uh, interested in in uh, music. A huge passion of mine. Austin's obviously a huge music city, and ACL's iconic brand uh, in Austin. Um, and you know, it occurred to me, um, you know, they have such a great collection of content and archive. I, I wonder why, you know, I can't watch uh, you know that all that content on demand anytime I want. You know, I was actually getting a beer with a friend um, down on 6th Street. They're like, oh, I really wish I could see that Stevie Ray Vaughan episode back from, you know, the 80s. And wonder why I can't see that anywhere. Um, and um, so then, you know, I went and approached uh, ACL. And it turned out that one of my investors was also on the board of ACL, which just shows you how small and, and uh, intertwined the community in Austin is. And, um, you know, we really talked about, okay, well, how can we get this archive of awesome ACL content and make it available. Um, and I think that's a really interesting opportunity, not just for ACL, but for any brand in general. You know, we talked a lot about the live events, but what about when your customer, your audience isn't at your event? You know, what about those 99.9% .9 of the time when they're doing something else, they're on their phone, they're on their tablet, um, how do you engage with them there? And how do you make the content available to them perpetually and uh, in, a, in a format that's easy to consume? Um, so uh, we, we pitched ACL on uh, the ACL Access app, which is actually launching next week. And um, it, it's a, the ability to see the, you know, the ACL archive, plus be connected with other VIP style um, uh, perks in the ACL uh, club, so to speak. So you get discounts on ACL merchandise, on tickets, you get first, uh, first dibs on, on the ticket lottery and things like that. Um, so we're really using and building out an app and a platform that makes it easy for brands to connect um, when they're not you know, live streaming or when they're not at the ACL festival, when they're not at the ACL taping, <clears throat> making sure that that engagement continues and that those super fans that you connect with there continue to engage with the brand thereafter. Ed, what kind of little archive are you guys sitting on? Well, <clears throat> the million dollar question, of where, this is exactly where we need to be as a media company and in the music space, but the, um, the sobering reality is that we are a 40-year-old property. We were, our t first two seasons of Boston City Limits were recorded in mono. <laughs> we have eight different formats, so two inch, one inch, three-quarter inch beta SP. Uh, what we got here? We got D3 HD cam, DV cam, and XD cam. We have a thousand artist performances and 4,500 hours of content, and we just got it digitized this year. So before you can talk about being relevant 
in everything that everyone in this room is engaged in, you got to have your content meta tagged and ready to go. And so the first piece of our puzzle is that this year we were able to, with a significant investment, we had a fundraiser. You know, basically that's what nonprofits do because we're a public television station and we've been raising money to digitize, save the ACL archives, the historic American music archive that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame said is a national treasure and is designated as such. And uh, we're, we're there, we're, we're actually still in the media, it was a company called Media Recall, we're still in a meta tagging, we've got a very, it, it takes a lot of back end to host all that for us to be able to go through and call things up and to be able to feed it into other digital channels, which is, we're working towards that, we're not even there yet, but right now we're just, just celebrating the fact that we have been able to take 40 years of music history and put it in a digital format that we think will save it. We'll find out, who knows what we'll be talking about in five years, but, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's a, that was a big piece of the puzzle for us to get that done. And you know, we couldn't even have the conversation with Joel. I mean, so all this was simultaneously happening. Joel was in view and we had our, we have a pretty good board of directors advising us that make up some venture capital firms and some successful tech entrepreneurs in the Austin space. We were in conversations with Lisa about extending and expanding the relationship we had with Dell and laying all this down. And so you're, we're really in the middle of a, I would say, uh, a, a renovation of our media distribution strategies. I think it was pretty wild that it happened too. I mean, his investor was the eighth guy at Dell. So it's like he got to retire is that okay to say? Because I just we're very it. incestuous. It, but I mean, so, I, you know, I, I, and then in so, Austin, I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah. Well, I think if the, at the end of the day, if we weren't able to all see each other and sit down, I don't know that a lot of this would happen. Um, it all did come together in a very short period of time. Um, I had nothing to do with that because I was basically just servicing this other part of the partnership that Ed and I were trying to build with Dell, um, because I can provide a lot of assets. And then at being at the physical venue, Ed can provide a lot of different assets. Mm -hmm. We almost renamed this panel two concert promoters and a PBS station walk into a bar. <laughs> but it is kind of fascinating that like we can like my company competes with Patrick's. He's a nonprofit, we're a for profit. You know, it's just we're all represent one brand, but we're all totally different companies. So it's it's good though. It's good. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Patrick. Look it was at a technology conference, and we were a branding conference, and you talk about how did Austin City Limits end up in all these places. But oh, that's my God. A long yeah, story. we're not even going in there. Well, and what's interesting, too, is as from the festival's perspective in our live performances, uh, we don't have the luxury of the, the great HD recordings that Ed and, and ACL Television have. So what happens with our artists when they sign their licensing agreements is they say, okay, you can have it, and you can have it on YouTube because they, they trust the quality that YouTube puts out but you can only have it up for 60 days after the festival, and after 60 days, you have to take it down. Um, so that's, just to clarify, that's kind of one of the main differences between their great archival footage and ours, is ours can only last because it is a live performance, and, and artists don't trust it as much, so they want it up for a little bit to get the, the buzz out there, and then they want it taken down. That's the magic of Sesame Street. Public television and Austin City Limits are trusted. We've got a track record, 40 years of not embarrassing people, and. <laughs> And if, yeah. gee whiz, if Willie could do it, and Ray Charles could do it, and Johnny Cash could do it, and you name it, if they could do it, I guess it's okay. Mm -hmm. um, 
And, and then people say, I also want to be on that show that's taped outside at that part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about how then the app, the Rockify app, is then physically going to be installed into Dell's. Because that was kind of the sweet distribution thing that happened. Yeah, so, you know, the technological challenges of being on every platform that you need to be on, I mean, it goes without saying, it's challenging just to, to manage the ecosystem. Um, but you know, Dell was able to to come along and help us um, on the Windows 8 front. Um, so we've developed a Windows 8 version of the app. And and just to clarify, the app is um, ACL Access is the name of the app, um, and it's powered by Rockify, um, and uh, will be um, exclusively on the Dell Windows 8 store, um, also on uh, iOS and Android devices in the future. Um, and um, our platform makes it uh, easy to distribute that content and to engage with that audience um, and make that the analytics easy to uh, view. Uh, so um, yeah, I think um, you know, Dell's been um, a very important partner in, in making um, it available on Windows 8 and kind of helping us you know, clear the hurdles with Microsoft and, and getting uh, the content out there and will be huge in you know, um, the Dell market share in the PC space is huge, so being able to be on all you know Dell devices, I think, is is great for ACL in general and for Rockify. So, and that ships and it back us. to school. It ships this year, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's a it's a big deal for uh, for Dell. Um, you know, one thing that we're facing are you know you guys. This is not going to be a surprise, but the challenges of the Windows 8 adoption, and um, you know people leery about having yet another platform to kind of get comfortable with and um you know pc still is shipping to the majority of customers worldwide so um in order for for the dell version of windows 8 to be a little sexier a little more fun you know it really helps to have these kinds of apps that are that are ones that you can only find in the dell windows 8 app store so that was kind of our motivation for being not only supporting it in terms of our strategic relationship with acl and um, you know, the, those partnerships, but, um, you know, to be able to bring something new to our customers in Windows 8, just to kind of make it a little more exciting. There was a, a panel that was in here that we were both sharing before we were out to have lunch with another partner in town, uh, but they were talking about, you know, how you choose strategic partners and, and the variety of ways that you become strategic partners, whether it's cash, whether you're, you know, you're getting access to services you need to, that will help move your business closer to its end game. And in this case, this is a classic example of, you know, we are, we, we are partner, we're financial partners. ACL, Rockify, and Dell have a financial stake in the success outcome of this app. And so it wasn't just a, we'll write a check or we'll give you the content. It was a measured, discussed, but we moved quickly because we saw the market opportunity with the launch of Windows 8, we wanted to we wanted to get there faster. I mean, Austin City, I said we were we were mono. For us to be in a Windows 8 setting, that's that's important mm -hmm. to a music property and a television property to be ubiquitous that way. So it was it's a great example of a partnership that can work that doesn't require a, a, somebody giving up something exclusive to another. It, it's everybody putting in a little skin in the game, I guess I'd say. You want to talk about the vignettes at all? Or kind of like 
What else are you guys getting out of the deal? Yeah, I mean, again, there's there's so many benefits to this partnership from from my perspective anyway. But um, all this great content that we've talked about, we're pushing out in, into the app, and you know, it's it's we're live streaming some of it, but we're also gonna, you know, we're gonna be able Dell is gonna be able to utilize some of the content too in our social media stream just to um, kind of have that ongoing conversation look relevant to the, to this target audience and you know, it's important to push out that content I think from our perspective but um, we're also going to be developing some brand new content um, one of the things at Dell that that we're striving for and, and you'll notice is is our tagline the power to do more so you know it's less about hey we have a 14 inch computer launching next week too what is everybody doing with this technology how are we you know, making you guys better, how we're making artists and musicians and content creators and filmmakers better. Um, and so we thought, wouldn't it be interesting to go behind the scenes at ACL and the venue and the festival and and highlight those people behind the scenes that are utilizing technology to drive the content, you know, creation. So, you know, h- how do we power this, everybody from the social media team to the the editors that are, that are pushing out the content and... Um, who else? The technicians. I mean, the lighting technicians. The guy who's booking bands. Like, uh, we decided to go back and let's do interviews with those people and talk to them about how technology has changed from when they first started. And we actually, in some cases, we found some you know bookers that had been booking music for you know 50 years. And how it has changed over time now with technology and with you know digital media and, and social media, like what does that look like? And so that content we're working on now, um, which should be a nice um, complementary content to, to complement all the great content that, that everyone is consuming that they know and love, you know, from ACL. Stay tuned for that. That'll be in the app. <laughs> so maybe before you take questions, is there? Anything you guys want to talk about, about what you'd want to see next or what's a big challenge? Rights. Yeah. <laughs> All the technology in the world, I mean, we still struggle with rights. We have, a, as I mentioned, not only do we have eight different formats, but we have 40 years worth of different styles of contracts that are tied to the show. And a lot, you know, and all of them go back to some label, some that exist, some that don't, or some publishing company. And anybody in this room that deals on those forefronts understands what I just said. <laughs> and then some. Um, also, I think our biggest struggle from a festival perspective, um, we keep talking about the app, and really the app is ACL Television's app and, and how they showcase their archive. But we have our own mobile app. Um, for our festivals, we work with a great app developer named Zomo out of Canada. Uh, they do South by Southwest and the Olympics as well. Um, our, we're really struggling with how do we, if, if the festival always struggles with connectivity, putting 75,000 people in a festival and they're trying to tweet and Facebook and Instagram and share their experience throughout the park, um, how do we really leverage that in a mobile experience um, while at the same time we uh, just recently launched a new website for ACL festival um, it's completely responsive uh, works well on desktop mobile and tablet um, and so that whole struggle of so do we still have our mobile app which is really come to replace our resource guide our paper guide that you receive at the festival um, versus how do we let people 
check the schedule or interact with an interactive map while they're at the festival. Um, do we get rid of that? Do we cater to that? Um, and I think that's going to be the big thing that we struggle with in the next year or two is how we deal with responsive web as it deals with uh, on-site at the festival. Yeah, I think one of the, the other interesting things, which is, um, you know, how exactly do you monetize an archive like that? Um, you know, do you pay per view? Do you, you know, subscription? Is it free with advertising? I think, um, you know, we have a few guesses on that and, and we'll sort of, uh, but no one really um, pretends to have an answer to that right. quite yet. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> I, I would say one tangent to, that could weave into all of this is we are, because of the massive shift in major label, and, and again, many of you in this room are seizing the opportunity, but in reality, when someone comes to tape our show, we use the term tape still, yeah. Um, when you come in and you perform on Austin City Limits, you know, we do believe that we are delivering a pretty high quality representation of an artist's work. And we're living in an era where artists are taking control of their performances. They own, they own their own companies, they own their publishing rights, and we are at the forefront of another business channel for our brand, and that is working in partnership with artists who want to distribute their performances. This is another emerging technology trend for our brand through the television series property, and that is, hey, Leaky Lee, did you like your performance? What's your relationship with your label? Would you like to put the show out? Do you want it to be a digital only? Do you want to put it in, distribute it through a traditional channel? And we have a business model being set up right now that will allow the TV series for the first time in 40 years to be in the music distribution business with performers. So we're now we're moving beyond PBS into another space and, and we're, we're, we're likely we'll be announcing, I mean, we did have, uh, we'll say a year ago, we actually we had a traditional labelship deal with a, with a label called New West Records, who basically went into our archives over a series of about five years and put out a lot of great performances. A lot of them were very classic and represented some of that Americana genre that the show was and still is very much known for. But in reality now, as we've got new bands coming, it wouldn't be unlikely that you could see uh, this year uh, performances from Grizzly Bear come out. I mean, we're talking to everyone, and there's a lot of interest from the bands who are now on the show. And that does change your business model when you look at what we do to say, well, if we did more bands, I mean, we want to have the big names, and the big names probably aren't going to do that because they're signed to other arrangements or they've got a lot of entanglements. But if you've got a new band that's, I mean, Wilco is another example of someone we're talking to right now. It's been on the show five times. They performed, then they, they like their, they've got their rights back. We've got a lot of content in that archive. We could do some releases with Wilco, and I won't be surprised if we don't. And all of a sudden, we've got this app in play that's distributed globally through, and we're able to pipe, pipe those things. We just write that into the contract or somehow that we have access to this stuff when we put it through. So this is all new. Yeah. I think for us, um, a big challenge is trying to monetize the content that we're shooting using your you know, the venue uses the public television station. We have $6 million dollars worth yeah. of broadcast, high-definition yeah. broadcast equipment. We have a full television studio inside that venue. So what's so great about it is it's gorgeous, but it's really expensive to shoot. It's all broadcast quality. And I really, we're still 
developing what we're doing with AT&T. We're um, distributing a series through CBSI in partnership with AT&T, and it's called Stage Side Live. At the end of the day, though, if I could dial down the costs and not be broadcast quality and be YouTube quality like Patrick is, I might be able to figure out the break-even on the business model a little bit better than everything being so gorgeous, right? Because mm -hmm. I might not need it to be all in broadcast. So right now, we live stream the show. We have it on VOD for 90 days, and then we package it for VOD for AT&T U-verse. So they're really happy because they're getting three or four different kinds of content out of one deal. CBSI is happy. They've got another series kind of like Live on Letterman, you know, that's a whole different thing that they can now put through their network. So we'll see. We're, we're you know, working on it. I think the other thing I want to see that I think we'll see in the next three months is ISIS. Um, so Mobile Wallet, I think, will um, launch through um, all kinds of phones. Um, you know, when, when Patrick was going beep, 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 we actually will... Austin and Salt Lake are the two launch markets, the test markets for ISIS. So we'll actually have them on site explaining, like walking people over, like, hey, let me take your phone, I'll charge it, and I'll also ISIS enable it for you nice. with NFC. And so there'll be somebody like literally hand-holding them. And so I think if we didn't have that, it would be a really, really big challenge for fans to adopt. Okay, we're gonna open it for questions. Patrick, you talked a little bit about responsive design with the site, and this is going to lead to a second question. How do you deal with traffic spikes that you've got, especially, you know, I was just looking at some of your web infrastructure, and then also, you know, Ed, you talked about all of your media assets. How do you guys share media assets? I mean, is there any kind of central content management that you're doing between what you've got with the television program site and what you've got with the festival site? Do you mean specifically like server loads and stuff, major announcements? Major announcements during the actual festival itself. Gotcha. Yeah, no, we, we only see two big spikes that really cripple our server, and that's when we announce the lineup and when we go on sale. Um, so far, with we moved everything over to our own server. We, had, we do everything based on WordPress, actually. We have our own in-house uh, app developer, or not, excuse me, not app developer, web developer, who has built everything. We have complete trust in him. He's a full-time employee of C3. He's, I have his cell phone number. I call him. I never hesitate to call him. Uh, and uh, as far as your content question, uh, no, we're, we are completely separate companies, uh, Ed and I. Um, so the content that we produce, we have our own in-house marketing team, our own in-house creative, in-house video team, um, and we do everything on all, all our own. We, we do have synergies, though. Yes, there, but absolutely. We have, we, there's a, again, this is a, this is a, a li Austin City Limits is owned by a public television station, invented, it's been licensed to two different commercial entities, one a major concert promoter and the other a major venue operator. Real estate company. Real estate company, but in this case, uh, a, a significant venue operator. So we, we took the experience of taping shows in a tiny studio and we've expanded that fan live music experience by parlaying and in, in being partners with a festival and partners with a 365 music venue. So we have two big weekends in Austin that where our brand is, is affiliated with a top of the a top high level music experience and we're when we're not taping the television show, which we only tape we only produce thirteen hours a year, but that again the ubiquitousness of the brand after forty years, it feels like if you're if you're in tune with us 
anywhere you go that we all have a constant and that's we present the best live music experience anywhere. We, the, all three of the entities live for that promise that you will get, you can trust Austin City Limits for the highest quality music experience. Even and, if we're duking it out on the back end. <laughs> but I just I, duck. I, all, it always goes through Ed though. Like Ed has been at KLRU for 17 years and 12 years ago he was part of working with Capital Sports and Entertainment to license the brand to create the festival. He was part of the venue deal. So all of it really kind of ends up running through Ed. But the synergies I wanted to, to, to explain as well is that the television series is, or, I mean, it, it, it is a big pipe for the brand as, as much as these other two affiliates are big experiences for the brand and have their own pipes. But the t having a national television series is, is, is still a, a good thing to have. And we're able to leverage uh, acts for the television series from these two affiliate partners. So there, we have historically tried putting shows or performances from the festival onto the television show. We found from a financial standpoint, the cost to shoot live in the park at the quality that PBS requires us to deliver a show in, it's much more efficient to keep it in a studio than to leverage an external major concert festival um, so we are able to leverage acts from the venue, we're able to leverage acts from the festival, and we're able to put them all under the Austin City Limits umbrella. And so as far as what, as far as the fan's concerned, and you're the fan, you don't need to get caught up with who's who and who owns what and all that. All you need to know is that Austin City Limits always delivers. And Austin rules. <laughs> That's all you need to know. <laughs> I think so. There were some other questions. Hi, I'm Tom Murphy from the local chapter of the Recording Academy. I guess I have a question for Lisa about, it sounds like there's clearly a long-term relationship between core technology partner Dell mm -hmm. and the creative community, the artists and the show. And it seems like that's sort of rare in the industry that there's lots of short-term commitments, there's one-off sponsorship things, mm -hmm. that there's issues more about riding the popularity of any particular artist, um, and you're not, don't seem to be doing that, that you're recognizing this relationship between creativity and artistic expression and technology, and that aligns with you, that seems to align with a lot of other technology companies, but we don't seem to be seeing a lot of long-term investments and relationships. That's true. Um, that's true. What's different with the Austin group that that I we think, might learn from? Well, I think I think Ed said it earlier, but you know, it's kind of we're kind of a family in Austin and we support each other. And so I think through that we've been able to grow together and us kind of taking a back seat in terms of, you know, we just want them to be successful because that makes, you know, that makes our community stronger. And then that kind of resonates with the fans and, and people understand why Dell is there. I mean, you know, we were live streaming the festivals and even, you know, when we're live streaming um, the music from the venue. Um, you know, there, we have, there's fans on social media that, that are saying, thank you, Dell. Thank you for helping ACL. This is great. And that's what we want. We just want people to understand, you know, where we're there as a brand for the fans that so we want to support not only you know the music community but we also want the fans to have the best experience in experiencing the music the 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 festivals you know whatever it is the content the story the dream of ACL so we just we want to be a part of that and and 
um, you know, we did branch out to the other festivals, and we saw that that we got the same response from the community and the fans. They they want brands there that are actually going to make their experience better. So that's that's the if that's the one thing that we've learned, that's it. It's not about you know putting logos everywhere and you know trying to get in their face with oh come look at my new computer, but it's much more about kind of making their lives better. It did take a while to get there. Yeah. Um, we, I, we just, I pitched for a few years and didn't get, wasn't part of the deal. And true. they had, a, you had a regime, you know, you had a little bit of a shift up shift in your marketing mm-hmm. team. And Lisa's been there since 2006. So she kind of knows everything they've done. And so what, what the works, most amazing what thing works and what doesn't that's work. <laughs> ever happened to me was they took all the pitches I'd pitched them and did a best of what we think could work. And they pitched it back to me and Ed. And I was like, dude, this is never. And my boss was there. Like, he's never been into a sponsor meeting. He's like, oh, it's so easy. Your job's so easy. I'm like, it's not, though. This never happens. And so that's yeah, kind of how we made fair. it work. Like, we, and we put enough different, very different kinds of rights in the deal. Like, sometimes a lot of the value we bring are we could be corporate meeting space for them. Well, that, you know, that, of course, I mean, when somebody comes to us with a proposal, I mean, we've heard 87,000 pitches and proposals from everybody to everything, you know, we'll take it all in and then we'll say, okay, let us get back to you. And then we go and we restructure the whole thing and say, okay, what about this? So, you know, it's pretty great trying to be part of that solution, that strategic partnership solution. I was just going to say one thing that I know from seeing what our fans say is the fans understand that brands and sponsors keep ticket prices cheap. And I think they really are starting to get that, and they're not blind to that, that if a, if a brand puts their logo on a stage, that that might save their ticket price or keep beer prices low, things like that. We're getting a, we've got an educated, a new, a new era where there's trust between brands and the fan experience, not just the music, but I also say to your point, turnover is, uh, turnover in all companies now, it's hard to have long-term deals with anyone because the people that you make the deals with are moving. Sometimes it's a great opportunity because they go someplace cool and they want to get back, get back in with you. But in other cases, it's hard to keep continuity because of the rampant shift in corporate life. Yeah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks for all the great questions.